0: Okay, so my uh, inner uh, Stephen Tyler was coming out, so uh, we had to do that a little bit. Um, But, hey, we're beginning a brand new series uh, today called Walk This Way. And uh, I look forward to uh, helping you maybe walk a different way at the end of this series. It's over the next four weeks, so make sure you come. Uh, Then you are walking today. So uh, several years ago, my wife Jennifer came home, and she was really excited about a gift that they had given all the employees at the hospital that she works at. And she said, look at this! And she showed me something very similar to what's on the screen. And I had no idea what this was. And I go, what is it? And she goes, it's a pedometer. And for some reason, I thought she said pedometer. And so I said, um... Did you say pedometer? And I'm thinking, she's finally going to realize how dumb I am. Like, one of those things where you walk around and, you know, like the people around you, just think about how many dumb things people say around you all the time. And I'm like, she's going to figure this out. She's like, no, you dummy, it's not pedometer. It's pedometer. It it counts your steps. And I said, steps, what do you mean? She's like, when you walk, it counts all of your steps. I was like, oh, okay. And so... Uh, For our 10th wedding anniversary, I took her to uh, New York City, and I wanted to see if we could like blow up the thing, like have it go all the way, you know, to where it had no more steps left. And we weren't able to do that, but on one particular day, it hit 50,000 steps. It was over 20 miles that we had walked because we were in the city. And we were so pumped and excited. Now today, technology is very different with pedometers. You don't have an old one like that. But you have these things called Fitbits, and you put it on your wrist, and you walk around. And now the technology is even better. It's not just how many steps you walk, but also um, it has health vitals that it can give you: heart rate, uh, blood pressure, different things that it can do. Um, how many of you have a pedometer or a, a Fitbit? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Don't raise your hand on this one. How many of you actually use it? Okay. Uh, no, 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 no. no, no, no. I'm glad that some of you do, so that's good. Um, but sometimes, you know, people put stuff just in, their cl- in a, uh, a drawer or something like that, and they never use it. And so you never know how many steps you actually take. Now, I want you to turn to the person beside you just for a second, and I want you to give a guess of how many steps does the average American walk in one day, okay? So turn to the person beside you. How many steps does the average American walk in one day? Just so you know, uh, Americans are one of the lowest walking cultures in the world. Um, We walk somewhere between 5,000 and 7,000 steps a day. But... Health professionals will tell you that if you want to keep healthy, you should be walking 10,000 steps a day. Now, I know some of you, you walk much more than that. Others of you, maybe not so much, okay? So, that's what you should hit. That's like a free service announcement for you, you know, 10,000 steps. There you go. Now, today, I don't want to talk about how many steps you take, but I want to talk about how wisely... Are you using your steps? Are you using your steps wisely? Shortly after we moved to Muncie, I was invited by a friend of mine to go to a Southside high school basketball game. And as we went to this uh, game, he wanted to introduce me to some of his friends. And so we walked into the gymnasium, we're getting ready to go up these bleachers And at the bottom of the bleachers, he says, hey, I want you to meet my friend Wayne. And so I shook my hand out to, or put my hand out to shake his hand. And uh, he goes, "Uh, you better root for Southside or I'll kill (laughs) you. And you know how like some people say something like, oh, you better root for Southside, I'll kill you, you know. This was almost like, I think he would have killed me. (laughs) So... I didn't really say any much, and he never shook my hand. And have you ever had one of those moments where you're just kind of like, you think someone doesn't like you? Like, this was me. I'm thinking, this guy, he really doesn't like me. And so we climb up the the bleachers, and I notice that the group of guys we're going to sit with, they're all on the top bleacher, but there are four rows where no one is sitting close to them at all all around them. It's like the, there's nothing. It's like, you know, the the seas had parted and it's just this group of guys. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of awkward. That's kind of weird. And I sit up there. Well, then the game starts and the colorful words that came out of this guy's mouth, I will never forget. You know how like every once in a while you get angry and you're like, oh, like that, but it's kind of quiet. This was not quiet. There were cuss words flying F-words, F-bombs flying everywhere towards the other team, towards the other fans, towards our team. And eventually, it even came toward me. And I'm like, dude, I'm here for the very first time, you know. And all these words are flowing. I'm thinking, what is going on? I'm like, I bet he doesn't know I'm a pastor. And I was scared to even tell him. So I just didn't do anything. I just kind of, you know... Sat back and watched the whole game. Well, finally, the game ended. And after the game, he comes up to me. He doesn't shake my hand, but he just starts cussing more, like in front of me, big words all around me. And I feel this prompting from the Holy Spirit in that moment that says this, don't judge him, become his friend. And I kind of thought at that point, maybe I'd taken too much medication, you know what I mean? <laughs> or something. And I'm thinking, What? And I'm walking out. It was a long walk to the parking lot. And I'm thinking, are you serious, God? And I just felt this sense like, yeah, I am. I'm like, but he's going to be a hard nut to crack, God. Become his friend. Well, I continued to go to these games uh, with my buddy. And uh, I would take that long walk from the parking lot to the gymnasium. And every time I would walk, I'd be like, oh man, I wonder how many F-bombs Wayne is going to give tonight, you know. And then I started thinking, what if, like, people knew that I'm a pastor and what would they think if I was hanging around with people like this? And then finally that thought hit my mind. Is this walk worth it? Is it worth a walk for my buddy, Wayne? You know, when people come up to me and they'll ask me, What's the single greatest gift you can give a person? I always say that it's simply a small walk. A walk often opens up a door. And in that small door, we're given the opportunity, and this is your first fill-in, is to introduce them to the God who created them and who loves them, And who has a purpose for their life. The single greatest gift you'll ever give anyone is not a car or a house or money or anything else. The single greatest gift you will ever give to anyone is to introduce them to the God who is head over hills in love with them. No amount of monetary gain, no recognition, no award, no promotion that you will get will ever be as rewarding as introducing someone to the God of the universe. Because when it all boils down to it, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ is not about some big overweight preacher who's mad and angry at the world. So they let everybody else know that they're mad and angry at the world and there's sweat falling off of them and they're letting everybody know you took off your shoes this morning, but the undertaker may take them off tonight. Love Jesus. <laughs> I say that because I was at a church one time. And that was the guy's line. I'm thinking, dude, no one's going to come to Jesus if you're talking about the undertaker. You know what I mean? Like it just isn't going to happen. But so often, that's our perception of what it is to be able to connect with another person and share about Christ. Folks, You don't have to have any answers at all. A lot of times people say, well, I don't know the Bible very well, and so I don't, you don't need to know the Bible. You know what you simply need to be able to do? Take a walk. You simply take a walk. Now, they tell us that most rooms, the average room in the United States is about 20 feet. And, uh, you know, I only work one or two hours a week, so I actually walked that this week to see how many steps that would take. And it takes 10 steps to walk across a room. Now, I'm asking you this morning, if 10 steps could change the eternity for somebody else, is that walk worth it? If 10 steps, that's all it took for you to do to help change another family's history, would you take that walk? Now the question becomes then, how do we, if I choose to take the walk and I give the gifts, how do I do that? How do I go about doing that? Well, here's the first thing that you have to do if you're going to give the single greatest gift to someone else today. And it's this, you have to be willing to leave your circle of comfort and enter into the zone of the unknown. You've got to leave your circle of comfort and enter into the zone of the unknown. Okay, I need four volunteers from one of these two sections here. And you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is stand in a circle. So four volunteers, go ahead, one, two, three, four, all four of you. Come on up here real quick. And I'd like you to stand over here underneath the screen. And I'd like you to sit, uh, stand in a circle. So everybody circle up. Like You don't even have to look at people. Look at that. Real good. All right. And you are going to be our holder. So uh, when I give you the sign, all you have to do is hold up your circle of comfort. Okay? Let's practice and see how she does. Okay? Hold up the sign. Hey! Look at that. Good job. Okay. So that is our circle of comfort over there. Now I need one volunteer, just one, from this area here. Okay, one person. Okay, Jason, come on up. All right. Now poor Jason, he's all by himself. He is in the zone of the unknown. No one knows him. No one sees him. His wife doesn't even look at him. So, I mean, he's there all by himself. Okay, now visually, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that these four, don't look at me, just talk to each other like most the time people do. So these people, don't think I don't know, okay? So they're talking to each other, they know each other, everything's good, everything is safe right there in this circle of comfort. Now hold up the circle of comfort, leave it up. They're talking so much, they don't even... There we go. All right. That happens too, by the way. Okay. How many of you have been in a social setting with your friends that you know really well, and you form a circle where everybody knows each other? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever done that in your life? Okay. All hands raised. So that is very comfortable. That is not awkward. There's no fear, nothing whatsoever. That feels good to be in that circle, because it's safe. Now, the question is, there are people in your life all the time who are standing across the room, like Jason is, in the zone of the unknown. And he's by himself. And most of the time, what those people are longing for is for somebody to see them. Because they feel invisible. Maybe they need encouragement. Maybe they just need someone to to recognize them as another human being. Now, let's go ahead and let's say that over in this circle, they're hanging out together and they don't even recognize Jason because they have their backs turned. Now, I want you to know, for most of my Christian life, I used to stay in this circle. Most of the time that I was a follower of Christ, I stayed with other followers of Christ in circles of comfort because it felt very comfortable. And I never could even see other people because my eyes were only focused on the people that I knew. But let's say, for instance, that one particular day that... Laura decides to recognize somebody else. And so, Laura, if you could turn your head a little bit. And she looks and she sees somebody across the room. And let's just suppose, supposedly say that what she does is she tells the rest of her friends, hey, I'm going to step out for a second. I'd like to go connect with this person. And she actually starts walking. So start walking towards the other side. Because she recognizes someone who seems invisible to the rest of the world, and she goes over and she extends a hand of friendship and says her name, says, Why are you at this event as well? And all of a sudden now, this zone of the unknown doesn't feel so disconnected. All right, hey, let's give all of our volunteers a hand. So for many of us, we feel very comfortable when we are in our circles of comfort. But when we're challenged to have to walk, it becomes very difficult. You see, when I'm connected with Christ, when I have this sense that, oh, okay, I want to have open eyes for other people, I'm not as fearful to just stay in the circle of comfort, but I'm actually willing to walk across a room. And sometimes, by God's grace, I'll feel this prompting in my spirit to actually take that walk. Now, do you think you ever feel anxious when you have to walk across rooms? This is the correct response. Okay. Do you ever feel afraid? Yes. But this is what I found, folks. When I choose my faith over fear, that's when I take the walks. So my question that I want you to ponder this morning is this. What would happen this week if you just chose in one social setting to leave your circle of comfort And walk across the room. What would that do? Could it possibly change a person's eternity? Could it change a family and where they're at for the rest of their life? I mean, if a walk could do that. Let me ask you again. Would it be worth taking ten steps across the room simply to introduce yourself? To another person. The Bible says this. It will come up on the side screen. Let's read it out loud together. For we walk by faith. Not by sight. Now most of us like to read it this way. For we walk by sight. Not by faith. Because most of us walk. With our eyes. We look through our eyes and we are like. Oh I'm too scared to even take that. But when we walk by faith. We actually Take risk. And you know what I've learned? I've learned this. That every time I choose faith over fear, I'll take a walk. And every time I choose fear over faith, where do I stay? In my circle of comfort. Because it's comfortable there. It's so comfortable. And friends, if you desire to connect with Jesus more, I'm telling you, there are going to be times in which he's going to ask you to take a walk. It might be a walk at work, at school, at one of your kids' activities. And this is the thing. Sometimes it will be when you have tons of time and you can do whatever you want. Other times, though, it's going to be when your schedule is so hectic that you can't even think you could do it. It can happen whenever and wherever. But this is what I'm convinced, folks. If most Christ followers choose to stay here, and we stop, and we just stay in a circle of comfort, if we choose to always stay here in a circle of comfort, it's lights out for the kingdom of God. There will be a day in which all of a sudden there will not be churches that are filled in gymnasiums because people chose to stop taking walks. And this is what every statistic says, folks. After 18 months of coming to Christ, your ability to reach out to people and to walk to the zone of the unknown goes down. 18 months after you've made that commitment, it will go down. Why? Because you get comfortable with all of your Christian friends. And the church was never created for Christians. It was created for messed up, screwed up, flubbed up people like Chris Bunch who one day someone walked across the room for me and I was able to be a part of the family. And now I want to walk every time I can. Is it scary? Yes. Are there times that I don't do it? Yes. But I do not want to stay in a circle of comfort. Now, the second thing that you have to realize is, if I'm going to leave this comfort circle, how would I know how to do that? Well, the way you know that you're going to do that is you listen for the Holy Spirit's promptings. If you're going to share the single greatest gift to someone else, how do you do that? You listen to the Holy Spirit's promptings. Now, some of you are like, well, what's the Holy Spirit? My daughter, uh, uh, <laughs> my daughter Shiloh, came home this week and she said, Dad... There are all these people at church or at a school today, all these kids, they were talking to me about spirits and ghosts. And they were saying that these ghosts and spirits are all around us. And one even told me that their parents go on these ghost hunts. You ever seen these reality shows? Why would you want to go and just get scared to death about something moving in a house? Sign me up. And people will do that, and there's like, whoa, we, we, we do all this kind of stuff. And Shiloh comes home, and she said, I just finally told him. I said, you can believe you're a ghost and your spirit, but there's only one spirit, the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm sure these kids were like, isn't she a preacher's kid? You know? Probably didn't listen to a single word, you know. Folks, this is basically what happened. Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he said, I'm going to leave my spirit. He said, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit, my spirit for you. Why? To comfort you, to guide you, to take care of you, to reach out to you, to comfort you. And I don't know if you've realized this or not, but I've realized this in my own life, that my life works better when I listen to The Holy Spirit than my spirit. Because when I listen to my spirit, oh man, I get messed up all the time. But when I listen to God's spirit, it's different. Now, let me tell you that being available to the movement of the Holy Spirit doesn't always work out the way that you think it does. Many people have this tendency to think that if you're a pastor, you must have this automatic speed dial to God That just comes to you anytime and God speaks audibly, like right now, Chris, don't say fluffed up again. You know, no, 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 there isn't this. That's the voice of my wife, but that's not, you know, I mean, that's that's the spirit. That just ain't the Holy Spirit, you know. And so there is this feeling that this is what happens. And there was a guy by the name of Elijah in the Bible who was a prophet, a pastor. And he has the opportunity to go meet God up on a mountaintop. And there's another story before Elijah about a guy who went up to a mountaintop. And then there was this burning bush that took place where the presence of God was in that bush. Does anyone remember that guy's name? Moses. Okay? And so Elijah is thinking he's going to have this supernatural, powerful experience. And so he goes up to the mountain And this is what the scripture says. The Lord said to Elijah, go stand on the mountain at attention before God. God will pass by a hurricane whipped or ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God. But God wasn't to be found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But still, God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle and quiet, what's the last word? Whisper. So Elijah's up there. He's excited. He's like, "There's going to be this huge thing. And all of a sudden, he sees this hurricane come through. And we've heard about hurricanes all week. He's like, God's got to be in that. And he wasn't. He's like, well, there's a wind that follows this hurricane. That's got to be it. And he wasn't there. And then there's this earthquake that comes and it's like, ah. And then you think it's that. And then finally you think, oh, a fire comes. It's surely got to be God. And God wasn't in any of those things. And finally, a gentle, quiet whisper came. Now, if you're going to listen to whispers, what do you have? You have to be quiet. You have to be quiet so you can hear. And to be honest, whispers have been more important in my relationship with God than anything else. In my life, whispers are very important. In fact, in my life, when I choose to walk across rooms, the reason I do is because I get whispers like, Don't judge Wayne. Become his friend. Don't judge him. Become his friend. I mean, I've heard of these stories before, and people will tell me, hey, do you hear about the evangelist? He got on this plane, and before the plane landed, he had converted every single body on the plane. They all came to Jesus. It was like snakes on the plane, now we got church on the plane, you know? It's like everyone's been converted. Now, to be honest, folks, that's just never happened to me, ever. Stories like that don't happen. But you know what do? the things that do happen to me are? Simple walks across rooms. Well, my buddy Wayne that I was telling you about at the beginning, uh, God didn't just say, well, stop at that point of just walking to games, but he actually told me to walk a little bit more. So I walked through... A whole season of basketball games where there was a lot of colorful language. And then I found out that Wayne liked to play golf. And you know, golf is such a great place to go where there's no language ever used. (laughs) And so he and I started walking across golf courses together and he, you know, would have this colorful words. And, you know, sometimes, you know, even if you're a pastor, sometimes you just wish you could say some things like that on the golf course, you know, because Golf is a very, very like horrible game and can just mess you up and you have to go through therapy with it sometimes. And I mean it can just be bad. And it you you but this is what happens. You get one par or one birdie after four hours and you're hooked. You want to go back again, you know? It's just horrible. And so we we walked that for a while and then all of a sudden I found out that his kids were involved. In wrestling and the band. And so I walked to a wrestling match. I walked to a band contest. Then I found out his daughter was in gymnastics. And I walked to a gymnastics meet and do a cheer competition. But all of this, folks, all of it, it all started with a walk. Now, I realize that some of you are sitting there right now and you're like, oh, great. Great. I had to pick the one time he talked about reaching out to other people. I was hoping I was going to get five steps to get my life together, and now all of a sudden it's just how do I walk for other people? And some of you may be thinking, I don't think I could do that. I think this walk across the room that you're talking about that it is for spiritual superstars. The average person can't do it. I can't do it. It's not me. And if you think that, folks, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Folks, walking across a room is something all of us can do. Everyone in this gym, we can all decide and learn to take walks. And over the next three weeks, what I'm going to do is be challenging you to take walks and for you to see stories of people who simply took walks and to see how God showed up and moved in people's lives. Now, some of you are sitting there today, and this might be your first time here at the jar, and you're like, I don't even know what he's talking about. And you might have the question, why should I walk? Like, I don't even know God or Jesus. Like, why should I walk? Who cares? Why should I leave my comfort circle to go to the zone of the unknown? And this is the simple answer why. Because Jesus walked across a room for you. Think about it. Jesus is in heaven in a circle of comfort. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. They're all in a circle of comfort. Everything's going great. Everything's wonderful. Everything's good. And all of a sudden, the father turns to the son and says, now I want you to leave the circle of comfort. And I want you to take a walk across The cosmos. From heaven to earth to the zone of the unknown. And who's in the zone of the unknown? Messed up people like us. And Jesus had no reluctance. He said, sign me up, I'm in. And he walked across. And when he got here, how was he accepted? Not well at all. In fact, he was rejected to a point that they eventually said, the place for you is on a cross, a criminal's death, and they killed him. And he went through all of that. Why? Because of his love for you. He took the longest walk history has ever known. And he did all of this because of his love for you. And so, until we get to heaven, this is what Jesus says to us. Do what I did. Leave your circle of comfort. He's not going to ask you every single time, so don't freak out like, oh man, that means every single time. No, 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 no. He only does it at different times. But when He chooses to do it, The question is, will you obey? I want you to take a walk at work. I want you to take a walk at your kid's school. I want you to take a walk at your kid's activities. And my challenge to you this week is just walk. Just walk. Take one step and walk across the room. And then another step and another step. Keep walking. And you might be asking if you're sitting there, well, why should I do this? I'd like you to look at a passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 2. This is the walk that Jesus took. It says this, he, Jesus, always had the nature of God, but he did not think that by force he should Try to remain equal with God. Instead of this, out of his own free will, he gave up all he had and he took the nature of a servant. He became like a human being and he appeared in human likeness. He was humble and walked the path of obedience all the way to death, death on the cross. He left the circle of comfort. He went to the zone of the unknown. Why? Because of his great love for you. And for some of you, what you need to see today is this next passage of Scripture. You should circle it, underline it, cut it out, put it up on your dashboard. But it says this. Let's read it out loud together, all of us with one voice. But God has shown us how much He loves us. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. He loved you so much that He Gave His one and only life for you. He left heaven to come to earth for us. And now He's asking us. And this is the challenge. This is the last fill-in. It's this. And I want you to write it in. Just walk. Or put it on your app. Tap, type it in. Just walk. That's what He wants you to do. Just walk. He says, I'm... I'm going to ask you to walk this weekend. Will you do it? To walk across the factory floor. To walk across the office complex. To walk across a soccer field. To walk across a baseball field. Will you walk? Folks, many of us are too comfortable in the circle of comfort and we must walk and the reason is Christ walked for you and you know what the reason you're sitting here today i can almost guarantee it is somebody walked out and reached out to you to come as well and your life has been changed because of it would you like to see how uh, Wayne's story unfolded you like to see that let's look at the side screens
1: hey i'm Chris and i'm Wayne Well,
0: Wayne and I met uh, the very first time at a Southside basketball game, and I walked up the bleachers, and I was with another friend of ours, and um, he said, hey, I want you to meet
1: some of my friends, and they were a little bit rowdy. We even had, people didn't sit with us. I mean, there was five guys that sat up there in the stands, and we had a buffer zone around us.
0: Trying to connect with Wayne, I didn't want him to see me as, like, preacher boy. Oh, never did. And I wanted him to see that, one, I like basketball. Our relationship um, was about basketball and about getting to know each other's families.
1: Uh, But you never pressured me. You never one time said, hey, come to church, or, you know, it was never like that. It was, uh, you know, hey, I'm here, come to church be people there to support you if you don't want to come to church i'm not i don't want to pressure you because at that time church was the farthest thing from what i thought i wanted but i knew i had a good friend because if i ever needed to reach out i could call chris or i could text chris he was always there to talk to so it was a great relationship that i had with chris as a friend that i think eventually brought me to coming to church well and i remember another time uh
0: you guys had gone through kind of a, a calling of sorts of feeling like, "Hey, we feel called to
1: adopt a child." And I remember writing a, a reference letter for you. And I'd contacted Chris one evening. And I just I called him and I said, "Hey, I said I've known you now for a while, We're pretty good friends. I know you're the pastor, of the church." And this is even after the jar had started. I think and I said, "If you." wouldn't mind I said me and Brenda's wanting to adopt a child, could you write a letter of recommendation? And then I remember too that
0: after Jude was adopted and we were all excited and everybody was celebrating and and it wasn't
1: too long after that that he had some health issues and Jude got RSV virus and we'd had him in the hospital for a week. People standing around talking were talking above me. I didn't understand what saying, you know, so I felt like they was leaving me out of the conversation so if you remember right I called you you came up right away you was there within, man, a few minutes and I said, Chris, do me a favor you said, what? I said, can you get Jen up here or so somebody can explain to me what they're doing to my son and why and I remember sitting in the hallway at the hospital and I just, I broke Nobody would tell me how much of a chance he had. And I remember calling you and I asked you, I said, hey man, I said, I'm not really into this church thing that you got going on, but you're closer to the man than I am. Could you at least say a couple prayers for me? And uh, I still believe to this day that there was something else there besides me and the doctors and my wife about why we have Jews. I'd have a hole in my life if Chris would have never uh, came back to another game, or uh, if he would have gave up on me and never done. It. One, I don't even know if we'd have Jude because, you know, you have to have them people in the community, and I don't know how it would have been. To be straight honest, to how my life would have changed. Man, it could have really ended up bad. So, yeah, I'm there. Chris is my brother. I love him like a brother. You know, man says he needs something. I'm coming. I'm on my way.
0: You know, God uh, has a weird sense of humor. Wayne was one of the biggest rednecks I think I ever heard in my life. And he owned it. (laughs) And God had him go adopt a little black kid who wasn't wanted in inner city Indianapolis. And it wasn't long until after this adoption took place that God's Spirit came to Wayne and moved in his life in such a way that he made a commitment to Christ. He took communion for the very first time right over there. And then a couple years ago, I had the joy of baptizing him, and I think we have a picture right there. And folks, I'm telling you, It all started, it all started with one small walk across the basketball gym floor, and God did the rest. And so, over the next few weeks, we want to give you an opportunity. It's actually a training experience that will take place at 9.30. So I know that means some of you are going to have to get up a little bit earlier, okay? Okay but 9:30 and you're going to learn how to listen to the promptings of the Spirit. You're going to learn how to take small walks because this is what I know. Leaving from this place today, some of you have questions and there's no way I can talk to every single person and try to help answer questions or connect. But we can do that in a smaller setting. And so for some of you, if you want to learn, you want to grow, you want to walk across rooms, see impact changed in great, great ways in people's lives, then We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. And the way you'll do that is take your connect card and you're just going to check the upper right hand box. And if you check that, we'll uh, send you an email. Make sure you put something down there like your name. Uh, That'd be helpful. And we'll send something to remind you about it. And you can grow in ways that you've never grown before. And you can learn more about God and people and taking walks. Because one day this is what's going to happen, folks. It won't be the Grand Reaper. It'll be a loving God who will have His arms wide open as He welcomes you into heaven. But He is going to ask you a question. And the question He's going to ask you is this. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? And the big thing that He wants to know what you did was did you take walks across rooms? Did you leave the circle of comfort to go into the zone of the unknown. So if you want to be a part of that class, just check the upper right-hand corner. We'll get you connected. You can do it on the app too. If you don't have a card, just do it on the app, 930 and it'll be in the upstairs exercise room. Well, the way we're going to close today is I'm going to invite the greeters to come forward and we're going to close by receiving an offering. And As that happens, please put your card that you check the right box uh, into that. And we'll see uh, as God uh, moves right now in our offering time. Let's uh, let's pray. Well, God, we thank you so much for walking across the cosmos for us. We thank you that you never gave up on us. And that you looked into the zone of the unknown and you said, they're my kids. Go walk towards them, my son. And Jesus, you walked all the way, even to the cross, because of your love for us. And God, we want to be walk-a-room type of people. And now, God, we want to uh, receive these financial gifts that people give generously. We thank you for that. If you're here for the very first time, and you're like, oh, I knew it was coming. Uh, just ignore it. Don't don't put any money in there. Just put your card in. We'd love to connect with you. But if you call this your church home, give generously. And God, we now receive this so that your name would be made great. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I want to always be open to God's spirit. And I was just sitting there and I was sensing that Some of you didn't have very good earthly fathers. In fact, some of you had fathers that weren't a father at all. Maybe some of you never even knew your father. But today would be a day where you could say, I need that good father in my life. And so if today is your day where you're like, you know what? I need God in my life, I need Jesus in my life. Life hasn't been working out so great. I need him. If today is your day, I'm going to invite you after I pray, not right now, but after I pray, to take a walk. And it's a walk across this gym floor, just like I walked across the gym floor. But you're going to take a walk that's going to be so much better to a table that's back here in the far right-hand corner. So to your right, all the way in the back, and there'll be someone there that will pray with you and to encourage you and to give you a Bible and to allow you to know more and more about Christ. So if today's your day, don't just walk out the door. Walk against the crowd and make a commitment to Christ. Let's pray. Well, Father in heaven, we thank you so much. For the fact that you did allow your son to walk across the cosmos for us so that all of our sins, all of the things from our past could be made clean and we could have a fresh start. That we no longer have to live in the past, but we can live in the future and that we're given a second chance. And every time that we come to you, you accept us and receive us and love us just as we are. And now, God, I, I pray that you would help us this week to be your hands and feet as we walk across the different social settings we are in, to love people the way that you love them. And I pray for every heart, God, that feels so much more comfortable sitting or standing in a circle of comfort. God, would you help them this week to look with eyes for one person that they could reach out to, to go into the zone of the unknown and let them know that you will be with them as they walk. God, I pray for every single person in this gym today. Meet their needs and help them to walk across rooms this week to meet the needs of others so that your name would be made great. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you're new, we'd love to see you at First Steps. Otherwise, have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place.